Hello, and welcome to What is Innovation? The podcast that explores the reality of a word that is in danger of losing its meaning altogether. This podcast is produced by Outlast Consulting, LLC, a boutique consultancy that helps companies use innovation principles to solve their toughest business problems. I'm your host, Jared Simmons, and I'm so excited to have Rob Huber. Rob's role as TwistThink's first CSO has been critical to the growth and success of their strategy offerings. With an impressive background in innovation and design, Robert is an expert in generating exceptional long-term value and designing award-winning advanced concepts. Rob's philosophy centers around building a culture of trust and accountability and fostering an environment where teams can thrive and generate meaningful results. His ability to inspire and motivate those around him has made him a respected and valued leader. Rob earned his bachelor's degree in industrial design from the University of Cincinnati. So excited for the conversation with CSO, Chief Strategy Officer at TwistThink, Rob Huber. Rob, thank you so much for agreeing to join us, and let's dive right in if you're up to it. Yeah, great to meet you, Jared. All right, perfect. Let's jump in. What, in your mind, is innovation? Yeah, great question. I think about innovation is really is focused on being purpose-driven. How do you really create high value that's meaningful to everybody within the broader perspective, holistic view of who those stakeholders are? Mm, Purpose-driven. That's so important. There's so many elements woven into that concept of being purpose-driven. And one you touched on immediately, which is stakeholders. Talk to me a bit about when you think about purpose-driven, what stakeholder you have in mind? Yeah, I think it really varies and it can be very scalable. I think of a couple of recent case studies or activities that we're a part of at TwistThink. So we're working with a couple of clients. One is Charity Water, which is a nonprofit organization, Mm -hmm. amazing organization focused on clean water to remote villages in Africa. Right, right. What could be more purposeful than to have clean water to these villages? We got involved because we're all about connecting devices, understanding the data analytics and starting to make sense of that and creating unique value. And so we started working with the stakeholders and understanding that. And the first one, and obviously the highest priority stakeholder, is providing clean water. And therefore, the predictive nature of these pumps, starting to understand when they might have an issue and how do you proactively solve that and proactively get parts and teams to fix them before you have a a major issue. Mm. The other side of that, I bring that up because there's another stakeholder involved, which is the donors. Right. I mean, this is a nonprofit organization. It's not going to happen without key donors. Having that connectivity to those pumps, we realized that giving the donors access to that gave them a clarity of the purpose gave them transparency to how their dollars are being used. And it really helped kind of drive a higher level of donor response as well. So to me, that's just a great example of very different kind of spectrums. We didn't really see the donor side of that when we started doing the research and started understanding that. Right. It just became obvious as we really started to dive into a holistic view of those stakeholders. Mm. You're taking a look at not just the people who benefit from the charity, but also the people who are 
for lack of a better term, the recipients of what the charity does. Yes. But you're also looking at the donors. I changed my phrasing because they also benefit from what the charity is doing by from being able to participate. Sure. But the multiple angles on the stakeholder from an, an innovation standpoint, particularly your definition around being purpose-driven, feels like your technology sort of unlocks the ability to serve both types of stakeholders in a way that helps them fulfill the purpose they play in that ecosystem. Yeah. You know, it's easy to get kind of too focused on technology mm -hmm. and yet not really define what's the priority, what really deserves to be highlighted, what are the priorities and how do you create a user experience that is of high value to all of the stakeholders. Right. I think that's the, the balance of what I think about when I think about innovation is, is it's understanding that holistic perspective, having a way of balancing what are those needs, prioritizing them, creating a great experience, but doing it in a way that's technically feasible, creates, you know, what's the right business model or model to be successful and to continue to, to make it thrive. It's balancing all of those at the same time. And that's not the easiest thing to mm -hmm. do, but certainly worth the effort. For sure. Well said. And I think that sort of balance is a great term for it because what tends to happen with innovation is it, what I've seen is it tends to either lean toward technology or toward some sort of new application of a technology in a new domain mm -hmm. and almost sort of over-rotate on that side of it without striking the right balance on the value creation for the stakeholders on the other side. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's what most of my career has been spent trying to find that balance. And mm -hmm. it's within the context of many kind of the corporate settings, it's pretty challenging within the lots of different silos of, of organizations. But when you can really balance what is desirable, what is the right market, what is technically feasible and what's commercially viable, that's where the real unique innovations occur. Mm. Yes, at that sort of intersection or balancing point that you kind of described. As you talk about being purpose-driven, your company has great technology and experts in that space. How do you help keep the organization strategically focused and on track about striking that balance? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, the twist in TwistThink is, is really the foundation of that. So mm. the history of the company was founded on this notion of weaving, twisting technology experts and design innovation experts together. Somebody that is really a right brain focused technical expert is going to think things differently. The language is different and the creative perspective comes at it from a different viewpoint. Mm -hmm. And it takes ongoing effort to really close that gap. And how do you create the free thinking on the front end and discipline on the back and do it in a way that you can apply that throughout the process is a, a bit of the journey that we've been on for many years and, and we'll continue to evolve that and refine that. Mm. It's a definite balancing act. It also kind of puts me in the mind of, we talked about, we both have corporate innovation backgrounds and things like that. And the challenges between functions in a small organization or a nonprofit or what have you, it's one type of challenge, but in a global multifunction, cross-function, cross-region organization, keeping everyone 
on the same page and thinking about innovation the same way is a real challenge. Yes. Yeah, very much so. And my background is in design Mm. and most of my career has been in automotive. And within the context of a complex system like the automotive world, you create a lot of expertise in silos. Right. My early part of my career was specific to design, design of automotive interiors and exteriors. And and I migrated to the automotive supply base, which is a really unique world where you're working with all of the auto companies throughout the world. And design, because of the skills, the creative mindsets, the visualization tools, becomes really a a focal point for innovation. Mm. So as things have evolved over the last 20 plus years in innovation, how it's become much more refined, the process is more focused, it's more understood, and starting to work very intentionally with those cross-functional teams with clear goals becomes really where the opportunities start to really come together and where you can truly work in a cross-functional way. And as you alluded to, working with suppliers, not just the cross-functional aspect we've talked about is a challenge, but how to help a multinational global company that's very focused on their IP and their way of doing things, how to help them figure out how to integrate expertise, knowledge, not just the part, the widget that they are purchasing, but also some of the other elements of what that supplier can bring to the table. How do you bring that into your innovation process? Yeah, no, that's a great question and a big challenge. And I was a part of an organization that when we started the initiative, it was very closed-minded. It was very internal-focused and deep, deep expertise. And we started to really move towards bringing awareness to how do you engage with the customers in an earlier stage? How do you engage with the startup community, which is an incredibly vibrant community that can help accelerate innovation? Mm. And we started to really gain a lot of momentum on that philosophy and leading the corporate initiative, but leveraging the mindset of a startup. They're very different worlds and a huge challenge. They really are. And it's not without risk in and of itself. Mm-hmm. But I think that journey is a big catalyst that helped us really accelerate the innovation themes that we were working on and start to bring those to commercialization quicker. Mm, I can imagine. We have a tendency as humans, I think, as risk goes up, collaboration goes down. Mm, Great point. (laughs) Yes, very true. And so I think that innovation work processes, in my mind, the way I think about them are how can you encourage people to break that? sort of human nature-driven trade-off and the self-preservation sort of instinct that we have. And I think what you're describing is exactly the sort of tension that you have to figure out how to work through. Yeah, very much so. You know, corporations are 100% built to, their large organizations built to scale and Mm -hmm. to do the same thing over and over again, make it more efficient and grow. And startups are just the opposite. They're built to be nimble and to create something new. And it's really challenging within the context of the corporate world to create disruptive innovation because often it can be, by the nature of the word disruption, it disrupts your current business and potentially could risk that business. Right, right. But the startups don't have that issue. So it's it's really... How do you find it within the organization 
a, a way of bridging that gap. And through a lot of that effort, when I was a part of the corporation, is creating a unique organization that can be that soft landing spot, that can behave like a startup, can speak the language of a startup, can move quickly, fail fast, mm. and then be the bridge to the corporation. That was a model that was extremely effective. My current role in more of a consultant, we see a lot of that gap, and that's a gap that we're, we're filling is... Mm-hmm is how do you work between startups and help to bridge the mindset of a startup and apply that technology and accelerate our clients' needs through their current markets and help them grow? Right, right. That makes a lot of sense. And how does IP play into all of this? That's the part that has always been tricky for me. And how do you encourage collaboration across companies with the infrastructure and the focus around IP being what it is in our modern world? Yeah, great question. Historically, it was people wouldn't even have conversations because of that risk. Right. And I think that's changed over time. I think most companies are open to dialogue and understanding what that relationship could be. And certainly contractually, what are the licensing opportunities? But within the context of collaborative working together, I believe there's a tremendous opportunity for kind of win-win situations with those startups and the corporate. Mm -hmm. So if you think about a corporation that has a complex system and a startup that has a unique technology, how do you integrate that in a unique and creative way using maybe the startup's IP as a foundation, but how can you create co-patents that both the startup and the corporation has a way of protecting that protects the assets of both entities. Right, right. It's a lot more than just getting everybody in a room with whiteboards and post-it notes. Absolutely, uh, yeah. It, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, I think the, you know, what, where the real value is, is, is in that co-development opportunity. Mm-hmm. Too much of the engagement between corporates and startups, I believe today, tends to be more transactional tends to be, hey, let's do a licensing agreement or we'll make an investment. Right. But the missed opportunity is in that co-development, creating something unique and protectable for the entities, as you mentioned. But there's where you can create unique opportunity and high value. Right. I think that's true in any industry. I think it's even more true today in any sort of consumer-driven B2C type environment. Because the purpose aspect of your definition of innovation is now growing rapidly in importance to the average consumer. And that's something that a Fortune 50 company, that's a world they can't immediately play in with credibility, whereas a startup or a smaller organization that might have started with more of a purpose-driven focus has the license and the sort of social capital to go explore those areas and deliver that type of value. Yeah, very true. You know, the corporations are always about continuing to grow their current business. It's extremely hard to disrupt and to create something unique. And a startup, as you just said, I mean, to just to focus on what is their passion, they can move in a way that is all about purpose and passion differently than the corporations will. Yeah, It really is how do you take the momentum of that startup or the individuals, the founders, and start to apply that and scale it 
And again, that's where there's real value for that startup as well as for the corporate. Right, right. I just find that intersection point a fascinating dynamic. And I think there's just so much opportunity to keep continuing to explore that. And how do you really build those unique relationships and and opportunities that all can win through that exchange? Exactly. There's something there and there's there's an opportunity to unlock value that neither party on their own could create. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And going back full circle with our beginning conversation on stakeholders, the startups probably don't have the broader perspective of the stakeholders like the corporates do within their market. All right. And starting to really unpack that in unique ways. I think, again, is is a real interesting opportunity of how you blend both of those worlds together. Right, right. Because if I'm bootstrapping entrepreneur making a beverage product out of my garage, I've probably talked to 200 people. I might have something great that fits 200 or 2,000 people. If I'm Coca-Cola or Pepsi or insert big company here, I know what 2 billion people think about those sorts of things. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Great example. Yes. So... I understand your definition of innovation being purpose-driven, balancing and prioritizing the different aspects of things that allow you to do that, including the various points of view of stakeholders. What isn't innovation? To me, innovation isn't just great ideas. And I think people, somewhat obvious, but I think it's still so true. Innovation is really hard work. It's really hard. It takes a tremendous amount of courage. And the creative aspect of it is probably the easier part of the whole journey. Right. Which is hard to wrap your head around if you haven't been through that whole process from start to finish. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, we all have great ideas and then we see something that comes on the market and we think we had that idea and that's probably true. And it's probably true of hundreds and thousands of others had the same, but that one individual or one group actually took action and put it into play. And I think that's where the courage and the just you got to start kind of mindset is is really important. So true. And I think everybody can identify with that moment of seeing something on television and going, hey, remember, I told you someone should make something like that. And it's, yes, yeah. yeah. And, they, and, and uh, thinking that, oh, you know, the only reason I'm not the billionaire is because I didn't put my idea out there. You're right. Like, that's the easy part. It's also the shortest part, usually. Very true. Yes. And the amount of endurance it takes to go from being a clever person with a great idea to someone who has developed and launched an innovative product. It's more of a marathon than a sprint. Yeah, absolutely. It's always fun. That's why I love doing this show. Is I get to meet other people who know what that is. It's not a long list of people who know what it means to have an idea, see it on a post-it on a whiteboard amid two, three hundred other ideas, have that idea kind of float to the top, get tested, get evaluated, get checked out across different regions, production, figure out how they're going to make it, have the marketing folks figure out how they're going to talk about it, decide if it's financially viable with the finance organization. And two to three years later, it's on the shelf. Right, right. Seeing that entire arc gives you the perspective to be able to offer the advice you're offering around, you know, innovation isn't just great ideas. There's an entire life <laughs> that that product or service has to live. Yeah. In that journey, you really have to believe in the process. You have to have the courage to keep moving forward. You have to be open to change throughout the process. Mm. 
I recently had a discussion with a client where you're starting work and the question is, hey, I need a business case before I can justify the work. And the answer is, hey, you can't really get a a business case until you do the work. Mm, Yes. The business case will evolve from the work. Right. We can set targets. We need to set targets. We need to understand what are the expected returns. That becomes a major enabler of most innovations and how they do get commercialized. But you can't guarantee the success before you start. You have to trust the process. You have to be able to ultimately get to a place and determine, is this a viable opportunity or not? Right, right. And the quicker we can make those iterations and better we can equip those decisions along the way, that's what really accelerates the process. Well said. The aspect of not being able to guarantee change is, to me, like the differentiator within a big company between innovation and business as usual. Correct. Yes. You have to be able to come to terms with that and getting all the stakeholders and shareholders to understand the difference between a $50 million innovation project and a $50 million plant, like build a new plant that's going to make this existing product just more of it. That difference is critical. Yes, absolutely. That iteration and how do you focus on those quick iterations to drive the clarity? Yeah, yeah. No, I think driving clarity has so much benefit. Just clarifying what problem you're trying to solve, who needs to be involved, what the expectations are of the different parties enables those conversations to be had that are the difference between success and failure for innovation programs. Because as you know, one meeting might be the difference between success or failure of an innovation project. Yes. Yeah. It's a very tenuous process. Yeah. One of the things that I've found that's highly effective is creating points within the process that are focused on workshops and Mm. become kind of this catalyst or this place where all of this abstract information comes together. And we've really focused a lot on how do you refine that process? How do you prepare for it? It's not just having a meeting. It's the preparation before the meeting. It's really doing the homework getting people in a collective journey to experience the information, to go through broadening a discovery phase together, gaining understanding and starting to drive towards decisions together is really an effective part of that process. Mm -hmm. And then spending the time to work through that in a rigorous way and starting to drive solutions that everybody has a voice, and but you allow for the creativity and the focused innovation leaders to really drive what is unique about that solution and start to then bring it to a place where everybody can respond and react to. Oh, there's so much in just what you just said around how to do that, how to do it well, and how, how to pace it. How long do you stay in that creative workshop sort of phase before you start to move into more of a delivery mode? Can you do those things in parallel? Is it cyclical? Where do you put those milestones and how do you organize those things? Who's in the room in these workshops? Who's not in the room in these workshops? Yes. What you do has so much nuance and it's so critical. One of the more important things that we've found and and success to that is breaking that over two days. So if Mm. you think about Halfway through a workshop, 
you will almost always have some doubt through the process. Why am I here? This is all too broad. It's too general. We need to move this towards action. So there's always going to be some doubt that occurs through that process. Mm -hmm. And one, people need to be prepared for that or comfortable with that. But what we found is, hey, breaking that up as the first day kind of ends with a little bit of that. And then the team, the kind of cross-functional teams has a dinner together. That's a huge value in the subtleties of building trust, right? allowing space for people to process really broad information in a unique way. They start to sift through and make those connections. And then the next day becomes where you start to really refine it. You start to go from the broad and start to narrow and start to define what are some of the key themes that emerge. That structure is is a pretty simple structure, but a really powerful way to manage complexity of that journey. Mm-hmm. I love simple tools. It doesn't make the work easy, but it makes it easier to think about and organize. Yes. So I love that simple two-day way of thinking about ensuring success or setting yourself up for success with a workshop. It also brings me back to something else you mentioned about the sort of 20-year history of innovation and open innovation and stage gate work processes and all these things as, as they've kind of grown up as a thing. You know, 20 years ago, just getting some people together for a brainstorming session was innovation. That's the innovative thing we're going to do. And just even thinking about how workshops have evolved and how those are now just pieces or checkpoints or modules within a broader framework and the expected output from an innovation process has changed all that entire evolution you've been able to kind of see across your career. Have you noticed similar things or themes as innovation has kind of grown up? Yeah, for sure. I think one, the themes are, it has changed a lot. Mm -hmm. And I don't see us ever getting to a point where we have it answered. I think that will continue to evolve. Every time I've kind of looked back six months or even a year, I think, Boy, I know a whole lot more now than I did then, (laughs) and I wish I would have known that then. Right. So I see this as just a continuous evolving refinement uh, as industries and the community evolves. And as individuals, we all have a growth mindset and evolve and become more knowledgeable as well. Mm -hmm. Before I let you go, I want to ask a couple of questions. One is when you're not twist thinking. Outside of work, what do your hobbies look like? What keeps you busy? Hmm. Wow, that's a good question. I spend a lot of time with my family. We have four kids, nine grandkids. Oh, wow. My wife and I spend time visiting them as they're uh, around the country in different locations. So we really enjoy that. We live in a very old house that needs a lot of continuous renovation. And I say that because that's really a a bit of our creative outlet together. Yeah. Yeah. We enjoy that. We get a lot of energy out of the journey of what it could be and then the execution aspect of that. So that's definitely become a bit of a source of creative application. Yeah. Definitely purpose-driven for sure. For sure. Yes. Yeah. Great point. (laughs) That's, uh, that's, That's fantastic. Do you have any advice for innovators that you would want to share? Yeah, a couple of things. Maybe I said it already, but I think it's worth capturing again, which is 
everybody has to be comfortable with understanding of feeling uncomfortable, not knowing where you're going. And mm. that expectation, sometimes trying to drive to so much clarity in the beginning that gives people comfort is really not obtainable. And I think it's got to be somewhat understood that this is a really challenging process. So that's one I think of just on a practical side, very, very practical. You know, it's complex information. It's about technology. It's about commercial readiness. It's about market understanding. And maybe even more, sometimes just dynamics of relationships and people. Mm. I have the fortune of a wonderful wife that helps me process a lot of that. That maybe sounds a little bit unique, but I think in a way, through a lot of conversation with somebody that I trust, I'm able to process. And over my whole career, that's been incredibly helpful. Mm. People that you really trust and can work through that at that kind of level, I think is really an important part of the process. Oh, those are great words for innovation and great words for life. I appreciate you sharing that. Rob Huber, Chief Strategy Officer at TwistThink. Innovation is purpose-driven. Thank you so much for your time. It was great to meet you, and uh, I look forward to staying in touch. Great. Thanks so much, Jared. All right. Take care. We'd love to hear your thoughts about this week's show. You can drop us a line on Twitter at Outlast LLC, O-U-T-L-A-S-T-L-L-C, or follow us on LinkedIn where we're Outlast Consulting. Until next time, keep innovating, whatever that means.